Someone could be so overwhelmed with what's going on in their lives that doing something they don't necessarily love doing just feels like too much to add in their day. It can be overwhelming to a lot of people to think that they won't join or start an exercise program because to them making massive changes to their diet, making time to go to the gym and being sore from the gym and all these worries they have is just, is just too much extra stress they can't deal with. So if, imagine if we could change their perception of what you're talking about. Cheesy intro line, three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Fitness Line Down podcast, where I am your host and owner extraordinaire, Corey Crichton. So, you know, a cool thing about all this is that, you know, a lot of podcasts, I know they've got things in queues. So, you know, pretty much for me, I record this and I release it the week of. So I do know that these last two weeks, you've had to endure all my long talks about other things. So today I'm happy to bring back a, a very friendly face, a very common and well-known face now. Josh Henkin is joining the wet, the podcast again. So Josh, thanks for visiting with us on this day in August. I appreciate it. And we'll just assume uh, it's a light face as well. We, you know, we avoid that comment. We, it's common, you, familiar, but you know. You noticed I stayed away from it. I said popular. I popular. didn't say anything about legs. Yeah, because we have lots of things that we don't like that are popular too, right? Well, that's, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people I don't like that are popular, so, but you you my friend you're my favorite so i'm in the friend zone (laughs) and that's as far as we're taking it um friend zone that just reminds me so much of college but i don't want to go back to those memories right now Uh, so um yes the last couple weeks you guys have been patient with me and with my long talking about i think we did restoration and then last week i kind of all over the board with strength but hopefully it kind of came into what we needed to talk about today though you know there's the one thing that we sometimes maybe overlook and maybe we don't, but stress. And I don't know if anybody knows, but a couple of years ago, we went through a very stressful situation globally. And I think some people are still like affected, right? Yeah. Globally. I mean, it just didn't happen in Wisconsin, did it? It may have. Lots of things (laughs) happen in Wisconsin. Hey, whatever happens in Wisconsin stays in Wisconsin. You know, this is a Las Vegas guy right now. Um, But yeah, so we had the global pandemic and even prior to that, I mean, just all the stress of how people relate with, well, how about this, how they relate to all the stressors in their lives, right? So I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's there's you stress, like kind of a utopia. There's that stress that allows us to stimulate and grow, but then there's the distress where we allow things to kind of weigh down heavily on us. And how beautiful it is that fitness could be used as a way to de-stress, maybe, I don't know if that's the right word, but a way to kind of that physical activity, we always know that there's some kind of release. Now, whether we talk about endorphins or hormones or anything like this, there is that whole feeling of like, I accomplished something, I feel really good about this, and I'm almost armored to take on the day. And as a side note, I know sometimes even just going to the gym is a stress. And that's why we have on our door outside, uh, there's as you're walking in, there's some decal on the door that says, you just did the hard part, we're going to take it from here. Because we know how some people, you know, that that commute to the gym, whether it's walking a block or whether it's driving a mile or 10 miles, there's all those like little inner voices trying to, you know, all the million things you have to do. Don't go do this. Don't do this for yourself. That's selfish. Go take care of other things. And that just adds to the stress. What do you think about all that, Josh? 
I think it's very well said. And, you know, I look back at my career as a fitness professional for over 25 years and go, you know, there's been so many instances where I had people that uh, clients that were very stressed and I didn't feel like I had any tools to really help them other than just get them through their workout. And even myself, I, you know, going through very stressful periods, I didn't feel like I had a lot of tools to do so. And, you know, stress is something, obviously, we commonly talk about now, you know, as we're getting hopefully on the other end of the pandemic, but even prior to the pandemic, it was, there was research saying that over 30% of Americans would label themselves as extremely stressed. And if we start to look at, you know, you and I like to talk about, are, are we fitness only? Or are we fitness and health professionals? And health standpoint of like stress is actually a major precursor to a lot of diseases, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, you know, even things like neurological diseases that we're seeing now, like Parkinson's and dementia. So I, I think, you know, it's something that as an industry, we want to be at least start to see that it's something that a lot of our clients face, a lot of us face, and hopefully developing better tools and how we can, you know, help people, even though like, as we want to be very upfront with people, we're not mental health experts, but I think there are simple things that people can do as and fitness professionals can help people do to help combat some of that chronic stress that people face. Right. And, you know, I just kind of want to turn the table on you a little bit because of all the stressors in your life and the physical things that you go through. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, you, you've talked to me before, we've talked about meditation and maybe even the Tai Chi, like as a way of, you know, you're not looking at that as a way for you to burn calories or as part of your, maybe I'm guessing here, but I don't see you thinking that as like a way of my physical fitness. There's an aspect of it, but I feel like for you, again, from my side, just watching all your posts and things, this is a way for you to clear your head and kind of help with the stress. Am I right? Yeah, you know, I mean, chronic pain and disease obviously is going to cause me stress. I've had stuff in my life that other stuff that's caused a lot of stress. And I think, yeah, I mean, why would someone who wants to lose body fat or get in better fitness want, want to combat stress? And I think, you know, you know this very well, Corey, from like Physiology 101. When, when we're stressed, we get a release of hormones like cortisol and a lot of hormones that, you know, the fight or flight syndrome that we're meant to have for a very temporary base uh, level to escape danger, right? And from an evolution right. standpoint, but now we're living in this chronic state. And so I think, you know, if you're in this chronic state of stress, you're not going to lose body fat. You're not going to make a lot of progress in your training. You're not going to, it's not going to be easy for you to sleep at night, which we know is a critical component of your sleep. You're going to make less healthy choices with your nutrition. So I think it, it, if we want to help people with their fitness goals, we have to address the the stress concept and component. And like you said, there's things that we can do, meditation, Tai Chi, yoga, that necessarily aren't about, you know, how many calories we can burn, but we are settling down the mind and the body so that we can do some of those other things in our lives much better. And, you know, we know the mind-body connection because we can all relate to the idea when, when you get nervous, you get those butterflies in your stomach, right? That that's a stress response from your brain, even though there's nothing happening in your stomach, there is actually things that happen in your stomach because of the nerves from your brain. It's not like you ate something that you're nervous. And so we, we see that mind-body connection so much and it gets thrown around in fitness, but I think it's poorly understood. So imagine if we can get people into a better mental state that can relate better to their outside world and what they do in the gym. And yeah, there are certain strategies like, you know, like I said, Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga, meditation, that, that can be a part of that for people, even outside of the gym, when they are feeling very elevated in what they're doing and facing in their daily lives. Yeah, no, and I mean, as a as a practicing Catholic too, like for me, I just really lean heavy on faith and prayer, you know, which is all part of those forms of kind of getting, I feel like that's a getting outside of yourself, you know, that you can actually 
there's a spirituality, I guess, of it. And there's the calmness. So I know there are times where whether I'm agitated or whether I'm just not even Kiel Corey that everybody knows, you know, if I can just spend some time in silence. And I think in a way, you know, whether it's prayer, whether it's meditation, whether it's actually just learning to be quiet and being in a quiet space, because there's so much noise. Um, you know, I just think that the stress that we deal with in the 21st century was not something that we're dealing with in the 19th century or the early 20th century, because we didn't have so much technology. We didn't have so many things buzzing at us. You know, we, we didn't get the news the second it occurred. I mean, we'd get the paper and it was like, you know, a week ago, this happened or a month ago, just depending on where we're at. So I think we had a, a better time, an easier way of finding that silence. And I think that that, I think that could really help in people's lives is to, and I know some apps are like that where they'll, they'll kind of ring for you. And this is your, this is your time to be quiet, meditative, what have you. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that the religious side, because I mean, for, for people like yourself, prayer is actually a form of meditation. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if that helps people and also it can help build community for people too. So, you know, if you're a, a big stress for a lot of people is loneliness. So if, you know, being part of a religious group gives you that sense of community and, and community building, that can really be a helpful, stressful release for a lot of people. So, you know, when you use it with that guys, it's, it's a lot of strategies that people use. And I don't think we're taught a lot of it and we're not we're we are a lot more isolated even though we're connected as you and i have talked about before and you mentioned the technology standpoint i was just reading something i think the average person checks their phone over 220 times a day yes uh, so, <laughs> i mean that that and that the what you're saying is true. It's not just, you know, hyperbole when we say we've never been so stressed and part of the, and a big part of the reason of the stress is the technology. Uh, so it, it's almost having the, we talk about discipline with nutrition. We talk about discipline with uh, our workouts, but I think we need to learn to be disciplined with our phones and our technology. And, you know, one of the, I mean, a very simple thing you can do is just like you mentioned, there's apps that help you do this, but you just, take off your alerts or notifications right. on certain apps. I mean, if you want to have certain times of the day that you enjoy checking those things, great. I'm not going to hold that against you. But if you have that phone buzzing every time something happens, I mean, that's why these app companies do that. They're trying to build, they, they know what they're doing. They know yes. the brain industry. Uh, and, and they know like you actually get like a little serotonin uh, or adrenaline high every time you get that notification. So it becomes mm -hmm. almost like an addiction, like a literal addiction. They, they know what they're doing. They've researched this. They understand. Oh, for if, sure. The, if you were just to turn off your notifications and build habits where maybe instead of checking your phone every whatever you, I don't know, put on music or you do prayer or you do something else, read a book or whatever it is, taking away that hypervigilance, that the state that we're constantly in, I think can go such a long ways for people because we focus on, you know, why aren't you eating better? Why aren't you training more? Why aren't you sleeping better? But we never addressed really the core root of the problem, which tends to be stress related. Yes. And I mean, that's, I had to end up uh, shutting off my notifications from Instagram because, you know, it's like, do I need to know right away of whatever happened? But then what I was starting to get annoyed with is like, so and so starting a live video, you know, it's just like, I don't care, you know, or so and so posted to their story. And like you said, I mean, they know what they're doing. They're, it's like, oh, we almost have to check in with Corey to make sure he's still around, you know, and kind of give him that little bit of a, as you talked about that adrenaline boost of like, yeah, here's a little bit of your social media crack, you know, just take a little bit and you'll be fine. And it was like, I just got, I got to the point where I'm like, I'm just so tired of this. So I've made sure now that um, any apps that I really don't need the no notifications, which is pretty much all of them, <laughs> you know, except for um, texting from like family, 
I kind of don't worry about it too much. I mean, I say that, but I still, you know, my kids are great at this. They're great at pointing my, um, how hypocritical I am because I'm telling my 14 year old daughter to take it off easy on her phone. And then she's like, why are you always on your phone? I'm like, oh, and pointing out the fact of like, it's kind of business related. It doesn't cut it so well. And so it's just almost like, I, I, I struggle with it. The humility of saying that she's right. And then trying to find some more family time and leading by example, but it's a tough thing in this day and age when those phones are made to be so sleek and, you know, the screens are so bright and they just draw you in. And there's like that, there's that kick in there. Like there's that little bit of a kind of a, an adrenaline addiction kick, but it, it ends up having that negative, negative, like the bill of goods being sold just doesn't have the value that we're looking for. No, absolutely. I mean, that um, there's a great book. Oh, I, I want to call it, I think its name is Lost Connections. It's about a guy who did a ton of research with a lot of experts about depression, anxiety. And um, part of it was just the idea that, you know, people get sucked into these habits and they have junk values uh, mm -hmm. and they tend to like, you know, one of the problems, like, so what is the problem with checking your phone all the time, right? Like, what is that problem? Is it just checking your phone or what is it? And, and one thing I think a lot of people, especially younger people get hit off because you and I are, you know, we remember when there wasn't social media, but people our age still get sucked into this is the idea that, oh, look, look, so-and-so has this. I don't have that. They have a better life than I do. They have more stuff than I do. They have cooler stuff than I do. Those are all junk values. Yes. Uh, you know, and the reason I say junk, it's not bad to want something or desire something better, but when you become hyper-focused upon that, all the research points to the fact that people don't become happier. Uh, there was a famous psychologist who was asked by uh, a journalist one time, would you rather work with poor people or wealthy people? And he, the psychologist says, I'd rather work with wealthy people. And the journalist is shocked. He's like, well, why wouldn't you want to help poor people? He goes, well, because they're not under the illusion that money makes them happier. <laughs> right. So when, they're, when, when people yeah. that have money and they're unhappy, they don't they don't think more money is going to make me happier. Right. And I think when you don't have something you think it is, if I just had this, if I just had that, I'd be happier. And time and time again, the research is showing that's not the case. And actually, there's been a lot of research where actually lower income people share that they're happier than comparably to people that are wealthier in, in the same light. So I think, you know, it, it's understanding what the impact of social media does to people. Uh, it's not just social media, but it, it is a big part of our lives. And just the stress of like, you know, we were talking about, like, if you watch any documentary about social media, they'll tell you, like, if you're not active on their platforms, they're going to start feeding you content that makes you want to engage. Yeah. Like, they'll, like, oh, so-and-so just posted something, or they'll show you a story that gets you engaged. So it's also now, like, we're, and there's so many things that you can get aggravated by, right? Whether it's, like, you disagree with the training style, or what someone's doing at their gym, or what they're eating, or political stuff, or whatever it is. That if you spend your time just being agitated all the time, that that stress level is going to be constant, and then you're going to be in a hyper vigilant state, and that's why there's there's so much damage to be had from these these things, uh, and that why it takes a lot of discipline not to engage them as much. And this is coming from a person who has an internet business, right? <laughs> this is coming from someone whose livelihood comes from the internet, and I, I work very hard to discipline myself on how much I use these platforms. Yeah, it, it can be tricky, but it is, it's like budgeting anything else. I mean, we, we need to budget our, our uh, finances. We need to budget all this, but we also have to budget that time. So 
to find the time where again, being on the internet, being on social media is not, it's not evil per se, but if you, if you allow it to overtake your life, as we're talking about as a theme here, it becomes another addition to that stress that you're already dealing with. And you know, that stress, I feel like that stress snowballs, you know, you start, you're kind of just agitated, you're all this. And then all of a sudden a family member crosses you or looks at you funny. And that just adds to this. And before you know it, you know, if you're not one of those people that know how to verbalize things, it's just a ticking time bomb waiting to happen. And whether that's a physical thing where you, you know, like could end up with a heart attack, which I hope never happens to people, but, or just that outburst of just negativity and anger, you know, it's just like to find out that way. And so as we kind of tie this back into the gym, because we're kind of talking about all these stresses of people and we know Again, like the, the physiological release of some of those stresses, the release of the hormones that help out. We have the cortisol for the fight and flight, but then we get some of the other hormones and those feel-good things that happen from your session. But now that it's almost like you have to toe the line a little bit because you get somebody brand new into the gym. And part of the reason is, you know, my life, maybe again, I'm in isolation. That's a stress. And it's just like whether they can put their finger on the fact that they are stressed or that they're just given all those like nonverbals that they are stressed. Well, what do we do in the gym? You know, well, let's take you through a session and kick your butt, <laughs> you know, and like, let's just add more onto that stress. So now you're super duper sore. You think that this might, it was just like, we have to really find, and we've talked about this before in previous podcasts is, you know, we're, we have to prescribe the right things. We have to be able to prescribe the right exercise. We have to know where they're at and meet them there so that we can give them exactly what they need. So they get that physical activity. They get that release of those hormones and they feel good about their session that they want to come back. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and I want to play off of several, several important things you said. So like we go back a step, like if you think about stress being on a scale of one to 10, like one, I am just super chill on vacation and getting massages and the world is a utopia and 10 being I'm blowing my top and I'm the most aggravated I've ever been. If you're living at a six, right? It doesn't take you much to get to an eight, but if you can live at a three, it's going to take you, like you said, way more interactions or aggravations to get to that eight. Mm -hmm. Right. So that that's another important part about understanding what's happening in people's lives. Like you're talking about, like, you know, as a, as a coach, I would get people telling me, that they were, you know, stressed at work or stressed at home or, you know, whatever it may be. And that didn't really compute because I didn't know what to do with that information as a coach to make their experience with me any better. And now I wish I could go back and, you know, do a lot more with those people, even if it's just changing the intensity of the program or what we focused upon that day. It's also like what we as coaches verbalize to people. So if you do have someone who's chronically stressed and then you put them on a severe diet, now they got to think about food. And if they mess up in their food, all oh, they're doing so bad. Now you just introduce a whole nother super stress. It doesn't mean you can't help people make better choices in their life. But when you make exercise or nutrition, another stressor, you're not helping the situation, no. right? If you're making like, oh, you didn't make it to the gym. You're lazy. Like if you have that type of self, because a lot of times we have all battle negative self-talk. And especially like you mentioned, when you go into the gym for the first time as a beginner, most people don't come to you, Corey, and go, oh, I'm going to come in here and blow this way and nail everything. They're like, they're insecure about things. Like, it's a new thing, and it's unfamiliar. And they, a lot of times, I would have clients that would tell me, before we ever did anything, you know I'm not coordinated. You know I'm not, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, they already put the safeguards so that they fail. They would be like, see, I told you I failed. <laughs> and ultimately, they would not, not do that, and I'd have to remind them, remember when you told me you're not 
So I think it's understanding how what we communicate, how we verbalize things to people, the environments we place them in. I mean, if you're dealing with, you know, people and you've got blaring hard music, you know, left and right, I mean, certain populations might that might elevate their stress. They want to find something sort of more moderate. I mean, there's so many little things I think we can do to make the gym, and I think you do it so well, is make the gym very inviting and making it comfortable and making it where, okay, I can decompress a little bit. I can focus upon my working out and it's not going to be this big stress. And if I miss a workout, it's not the end of the world. If I miss it, I think those are really important things as coaches. We want to be more mindful of. Oh, that's, that's so well said. And, you know, I, I laughed earlier and it's not because of people putting it up barriers and saying, see, I told you, but it's, you know, as you talked about before, and I think this is the beauty of us bringing our experiences onto this episode, especially is you mentioned how you wish you could go back and change things. Like this is our way of helping people not make those same mistakes because yeah, when people used to communicate with me, this stuff, I, I'm just thinking trainer brain. I'm very, I'm very literal. It's like, okay, well, all right, well, let's get through the session and you're going to feel better because of it. You know, we're going to keep everything the same and, you know, maybe just to help your stress, I'm going to crank up the intensity a little bit so you can focus more on this exercise. And it's just like, man, I kick myself in the butt so much from doing all that. So, you know, I just think about those times where people are like, you know, I'm, I'm not that strong. And then all of a sudden you give them something and they can't do it. Like, I told you I wasn't that strong. It's like, I wish I had a better way to approach that and to communicate with them. And I think a lot of that is the communication and being upfront with people right away. Um, you know, I love to have just a transparent environment here. Like I like to tell people exactly what I'm saying and I want it to mean exactly that and follow through. And for our environment here, I mean, I think laughter is one of the best things when it comes to stress. 100%. And maybe it's just me, you know, I'm not, I'm not like an overall big goofball, but I, I at least think I have a good sense of humor and my wife disagrees, but that's because she has absolutely no sense of humor. Um, I and I know after this episode, but I'm safe because she never <laughs> listens to these. So <laughs> even though she did listen to the larger body one that we did, but, and she approved, however, other than that, she doesn't listen. Um, well, she has to have a sense of humor because she married me. Right. Anyway. And so like, I try to really change, especially the lingo at fitness line down, you know, instead of sets and reps, I call them opportunities and I mean it, but for somebody that overhears that, I just, I catch people all the time laughing about it, you know, it's like, cause that's such a different way to put it, you know? And I mean, we, we purposely have a picture of Mr. Miyagi on our wall because that just makes people like, it kind of lets those guards down. Like, why do you have a picture of Mr. Miyagi on the wall? And it's like, well, why not? That guy's awesome. And then, you know, you start talking about Karate Kid, you start talking about Cobra Kai, and all of a sudden now they feel more comfortable. You know, you can relate things with them. And it's just, you know, and when we set up sessions here, throughout all the mistakes I've made and I'm still growing as I go, I always, my goal for people, their first session here, fitness lying down, is my goal for them. And I, I tell them this right away. I don't want to hit weights too hard. I don't want to go too heavy. I don't want to go, go too crazy, which 99% of the people are totally on board with that. You know, and that's funny because I think the old Corey, what do I think? People want to just come in and get shellacked. You know, I want to, I want to experience fitness. I want that, I want that fitness feel, you know, I want to be sore for days when actually that's not what most people want. So my goal is to just get them comfortable in the environment. And I find the things that I know they're going to be successful with so that, you know, cause you imagine somebody coming in for their first session, they're already stressed out about a new environment, especially if they're pretty relatively new to exercise and fitness. And if I have to keep correcting them with negatives, you know, like, oh, you shouldn't do it this way. We should work on this. And, you know, after that keeps piling up, 
they're just going to have that more that this is not for me. They're going to feel dejected. And that's just going to be another stress. Like, Oh, I tried this fitness line down and even a place like fitness line down, I couldn't succeed. So apparently I can't go anywhere. Um, in the name in itself, Josh, I mean, fitness line down, like that makes people that takes their guard down. Like, why would you name your gym fitness line down? Like this sounds like a good place. So we just want to make sure that the people's first experiences with us is a positive one that they leave, that they're not drained, that they're not dead. And I think sometimes that's like the intuitive, like coaching is being able to read your clients. So if it's their brand new session, and typically if we go up to like 60 minutes for a personal training session, but I see that they're after 45 minutes, if they're like, that they're just done. I mean, that's so easy to see. I used to miss that. I used to be blind to that because I wanted to make sure they got their full 60 minutes. So they had the full value of it. I'll just walk over. I'm like, how are you guys doing? You know, and whatever they say, well, you know, I'm, they're not saying that they want to do more, but they're not saying they want to stop either. And I'm like, how about this? How about if we just lay on the ground for a few minutes, breathe, cool it down, just let everything rest. We're going to be good for the rest of the day. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. And I mean, almost like the joy in their face because they never, they never just lay down for a couple minutes on their own. So like, why not schedule it into their program? Like, you know, we're going to just end five minutes early. I want you to hang out and just relax. And then they leave, you know, they leave with that refreshment because they just got to lay down and breathe for a while. And before, I mean, I would think I'd be robbing them of their money if I stopped their sessions that short and did this. But now, you know, based on the feedback I'm getting, sometimes that's a really smart move to make. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can totally relate to that, that, you know, 20 years ago, I would have been in the same boat. I think we come at, so I think trainers don't want to acknowledge that we have a lot of fear that we're not going to deliver the experience that the person expects and we're not going to keep that person. And then we go spiral. Our finances are going to be, you know, impacted and blah, blah, blah. And so versus just taking a step back and having confidence in like looking at that individual as an individual, like you said, going, Hey, you know what? We've been, you know, we did what we wanted to do today, but there's other stuff I want to accomplish today. Like if I, I I'm trying to help coaches think about this, if I said there was something that was going to help you sleep at, if I said there was something that was going to help you battle general anxiety and depression better, if I said something that was going to help your concentration focus better, if there was something that was going to help you be have better energy, if there's going to be something that helps you interact with people better, like that sounds too good to be true, right? But that's what being mindful is. And that's why mindfulness practice is such a big part of so many different cultures and systems uh, is that when you start getting people to be more mindful, like you're talking about stepping back, breathing for a few minutes, just sort of being aware of where they are at that moment, that changes so many things. And it's not just spiritual kumbaya stuff I'm saying. This is actually research that you can actually change gray matter in people's brains through these type of things. And then, and you know, someone put it so well, worry and, and stress is generally not resolving the past and or worrying about the future. And that's why, you know, being mindful is such an effective strategy, getting people to be present, whether it's present of your, of your breath, like you were talking about, or present who you're with, or present about like your what you're experiencing if you're like going outside for a walk, is because those things can have such a profound impact because we tend to get overly focused upon the past or the future. And, you know, as we all like to pretend, we have no real control over the future. We can right. try to make our best laid plans, but as we all know, that goes out the window pretty fast a lot of times. So Very we fast. worrying and stressing about things we don't even have the full control over. And that's why helping people with some really basic, like you said, foundational mindfulness stuff can really make a positive impact upon them, especially for the rest of their day. And the last experience they have with you is this feeling good aspect, 
rather than feeling like, oh my God, thank God I just survived Corey's workout just one more day. Uh, you know, <laughs> still train hard. It's not about not training hard, right? But it's just about acknowledging that there's other aspects. You know, now that person maybe makes better decisions the rest of the day, whether it's what they eat or who they decide to spend time with, or you know, their sleep habits. Those are all important aspects of their overall fitness goal, right? Boy, and you know, it's just so. <laughs> there's so many ways I want to go with this because, yes, um, you know, having, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I I feel like we might have to have a time limit on this one for sure. But you know, that that's the thing is when you meet that individual and for me, like this is the great part about our profession is this helps me, uh, you know, I don't want to turn it on me like, oh, but my mindfulness, when I take care of a client, like I now want to hear what they're saying. I want to have that active listening. So, you know, there's so many times in the past where people would say something and I'm just thinking about the next thing, like, well, yeah, but we got to go to this next rep, you know, like, let's, let's keep moving. And I'm still kind of a task-oriented guy that way because, yeah, I like structure. I don't want to. However, I am I'm willing to kind of go sideways a little bit too. And I'm sure you've had in your experience times where people would come in for a session, and maybe you know, let's say it's an hour session. Maybe they got ten minutes of work done, but they just wanted to talk, you know. And we know that we're not. I mean, unless we're licensed, certified, we're not mental therapists. You know, we're not helping people in that way. But just having an ear, because how many of these people out there um, have nobody to listen to them? You know, and I'm not saying, and maybe you know this as a husband, like we always want to fix things, right? Uh, you know, at least for me, if my wife comes to me and she wants to say something, like my <laughs> idea is like, how can I help you, right? Uh, like, and I've actually learned now after almost 20 years of marriage, that's not the right way to do things. <laughs> um, I'm very thick in my skull. I just, it takes me a long time to process. And it's just like a remarkable when my wife, She'll be talking to me and I, everything in my head's like saying, just keep paying attention to what she's saying. Don't think about what you want to say back. And then she gets done and she's like, I'm just so happy that you helped. And I'm like, what did I do? So that I take to the clients as well is I just want to hear them out. I want to hear what they're saying. And I have been, um, and I'm sure you're familiar with this motivational interviewing, am I? I, I feel like that's a powerful way to be an active listener and to hear what they're saying you know, whoever you're listening to, whether it's a client, whether it's a friend, whether it's a family member, and to actually be able to ask the right questions that they can answer for themselves. So instead of like you trying to help them, you just help them arrive to that conclusion. And so that that's empowering for them. Like, oh yeah. And, but you were just able to help them get there with a few easy kind of questions to go. And I always tell my, I tell people, my wife is like an MI Jedi. Like she'll be sitting there, we'll talk. And she throws out like a phrase. I'm like, are you am I in me right now? And she's like, maybe. And then as I'm trying to practice, get better, I'll throw that back at her. And I get this look and I'm like, hey, I'm just practicing. But to be present with the people and to know that sometimes a training session might not be all about physical training. You might just have to be an ear. And when they walk away, they feel so much better because they were able to get off their chest what they needed. And sometimes just holding on to that is stress enough, right? Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I mean, Again, years ago, I would have been in those situations after the session. I, I would have felt like, man, I'm not a psychologist. Why, why does this person unload all this on me? Like, I'm a trainer. We're supposed to train. We didn't train enough. Not realizing now and having the appreciation for that was more meaningful time spent in their session that, you know, you know the, the ability to share that for people is really important because maybe they're not in an environment at home or work or wherever it is that they feel like they can share those things. 
And they, and, you know, I think too, they don't expect you to fix them and they just want to share with somebody. And I think there was a study done that like in the seventies or eighties, like when they surveyed people, like they asked them how many, what's the number of close friends that you have? And the number was like three to four on average. And then I think in, you know, 2000 something, they asked people, what's the, what's the, it's the same question, you know, how many close or best friends would you say you had? And people said one or zero. Mm-hmm. And so I think people are just losing that environment to feel like they can share these things. And so if you can now, if you were coming to a training session at a stress level of seven, even if you didn't do a lot of training, but you came out of there at a stress level of four, well, that's going to impact so many more things. Again, you do for the rest of your day. Maybe if you stayed at a seven, you're going to take that stress out on eating, or maybe you weren't going to sleep well, or maybe on, you know, making your relationships at home even worse, you know? So it's like, if that can tone it down just by sharing a little bit more, I see incredible value, both from a fitness, health, and personal side of these things. And I think, you know, we need to get out of the mindset. Well, yes, we are not psychologists to fix these things, but we can be a platform for people to share these things. And I think that's why community-based gyms like your your own become a very important to people because it's the old idea that Starbucks wanted to become that third place, right? It was always homework and then then Starbucks wanted to be the third. And now a lot of people can use a gym if that gym is set up to be a welcoming environment where they feel comfortable to do that. And they can just even interacting with people they feel that they can feel a bit more connected to, I think has just so much more value than we realize in having that 800 calorie burning workout. Oh, for sure. And you know, it's, it's hard as a fitness professional, especially a young one, because as we talked about the fears of all the things, whether they address it or not, I mean, I just know truly that you want to build clients. And if you're not giving them that fitness experience, you're afraid, but to, to be in, you know, we're not psychologists, we're not mental health experts, but you know, what we are is we're human beings. And, you know, I'm a, I'm being, and I'm allowing somebody else to be by sharing their, what's going on in their, their, their life, like whatever they need. And as you talked about, now all of a sudden we're building a better relationship. That person feels safer being in my environment because they're, they're, if somebody could share something, whatever it is, there is that level of intimacy and trust that you've established now. And so I feel like that as, as a gym owner, and I don't want to talk about like, this is the wrong place about talking about the bottom line and you know value and dollars, but now you could have a client for a very long time as you establish more trust, more respect. And then as you add fitness into that, that physical well-being, holy cow, I mean, how much more we can impact somebody just by being present, just by listening and to meet them where they're at. And I think about, uh, was it Dr. Marcello there, Brandon? Is it Marcello or Marcello? Uh, it depends how nice I am to him. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just don't know what part of Italy it's I'm Marcello. from here. Um, but I, I remember one, of the, and I've, I've said this before in the podcast, but I've had clients that actually come back and they've listened to this and they hear this and they kind of laugh. And I've said this before in the podcast, but here's like, here's exactly what I'm talking about. So I remember Brandon was talking about the fact that he was coaching strength coach for collegiate volleyball players and they would come in and sometimes he, well, he had like a social studies experiment and, or social experiment. And if the girls were wearing their ponytails high and tight, that meant they were ready to train. Like they were just all ready to go. If their ponytails were low and loose, he knew that they weren't ready for a great, you know, like they weren't ready for an intense session. So he would kind of gauge it that way. So when people walk through our door, I'm genuinely like, how are you doing? You know, how, how, how's it going today? And I guess as much as I want to hear what, how it is, it's the tone and it's the inflection, how they deliver the message that I can get a lot out of that. So if I got people like I'm doing great and you know, the voice it says exactly what that is. Awesome. Like, I, you know, let's get to work. 
But if I get a, oh, it's okay, you know, or just that dismal thing, then I start kind of peeling that onion a little bit. And I kind of want to be careful because I don't want to ask a question that I don't know the answer to because I just, I don't do well with tears and I don't do well with things that it's like, I don't know what to say sometimes. And I mean, sometimes that's the best thing to do is not to say, but so if somebody, if I find out that they're not having the best day and it might not be because of a physical issue, but it's just more of an emotional mental issue. What I'll do is in the session, you know, and this is the beauty about DVRT, right? Is the fact that maybe that day was a half kneeling overhead press with the ultimate sandbags. And it's like, you know what, that might, you know, I could keep that same way, but let's just have them standing now. You know, let's take that intensity down just a little bit by standing. And so I'll, I'll tell this to them too, before I give it to them, be like, you know what, today we're supposed to do this exercise, but because of what you told me, I just want to make sure that we could be on the same page. Are you okay with standing and doing the same exercise just to make it a little less intense? And I always get the thank yous for that because we can, we can problem solve. We can offer those solutions. And it's not the fact that we have to A, skip the workout or B, dramatically change the weights on exercises, but just by changing the, the body position, the holding position, all that beautiful stuff of DVRT, we can make somebody feel more successful, keep the consistency of them coming into the gym and having them feel, again, really good on the way out. Yeah, and I mean, I want to play off that. Like, you know, we get very judgmental and I've made this mistake myself as a professional in the, in the past. And I try to let go of it more and more is that if someone doesn't come in the gym, we automatically assume it's apathy, it's laziness, right? And what you're talking about is someone could be so overwhelmed with what's going on in their lives that doing something they don't necessarily love doing just feels like too much to add in their day. And, you know, I saw that, especially during the pandemic, there were coaches, you know, in our industry, and we're the ones that love to work out, right? We're the one that love fitness that really had fitness problems. They really let themselves go. And, you know, it's interesting that we make such judgments on people that, you know, when they don't feel like they can make that one more step to the gym, you know, in their day that we, we have this, you know, thought, this perception of them. And then when it happens to us, we want to be like, oh, but like my life is so challenging and so many things going on right now. So I think one thing is definitely, you know, like you said, it's like really listening to that individual and being empath truly empathetic. And yes, that can have a positive impact to your business. And that's not a negative thing to say, I think, because you're doing it as a genuine act. Like if you're doing it only for the bottom line, I would say, well, that's a little suspect, but like, <laughs> <Very you know>. sus. <laughs> uh, but, but if you're doing it with a genuine intent to help people and you really want to make them better, there's no problem with that. And I, I do think that there's a lot of people that will go back and go, you know, I, and I've had actually clients tell me this, that like they haven't made big cosmeticals. They haven't lost tremendous amounts of weight, but they'll tell people they feel so much better working with me. And that's very meaningful to a lot of people because, again, it can be overwhelming to a lot of people to think that they won't join or start an exercise program because to them, making massive changes to their diet, making time to go to the gym and being sore from the gym and all these worries they have, is just, it's just too much extra stress they can't deal with. Mm -hmm. So if imagine if we could change their perception of what you're talking about where they felt like it was a welcoming place where their stress was alleviated and they left feeling better. Well, then they would, we're all human beings. We'd make more time for it. It'd be become easier in our lives versus this, like, you know, one of the things that really frustrates me with fitness is that it's such a, a, a industry of extremes, right? You know, I, I saw someone like, literally, I think I sent you the post where like 
someone made a meme that, oh, you guys all want body positivity. That's all great until you die from disease. I'm like, Jesus, like, <laughs> we're just talking like, if you have a cookie, don't flip out about it. Like, we're not encouraging like, unhealth. But, but it's this industry that I think sometimes sabotages itself because we, we want to live in these extremes and we don't realize that the own, our own skeletons that we're, you know, not willing to address ourselves. And that's why, like you said, like, you know, one, one thing I just want to, you know, bring the DVRT and other stuff, because like, I think people may see me post about meditation, Tai Chi and Qigong and stuff and go, oh, he's going on a different path. He's leaving DVRT. It's not the case at all. It's that all these things bring in more so the mind body relationship. And, you know, something I've heard a lot of these professionals in these other areas talk about is unless you're being mindful and a big part of mindfulness is intention. And how many times, Corey, have we used that term when we talk about DVRT as being intentional? All the time. That helps with being present. And that helps with like being mindful. And so it's like, it's having a system where I have many tools, depending upon what we need to help you get, get there. I heard a, a, a professional when I was at a conference recently, like say like, oh, yoga's BS because no one's got the patience and you know, they get bordering yoga. Well, people understand like a big part of yoga is just being mindful and just, learning to be present, like there's huge benefit, like us putting that label on something is I think sabotaging a tool that could be useful for us as professionals. Well, my question is anybody that does say stuff about another uh, practice, had they ever even tried it? Right. You know, like they, they point these fingers, but, and I'm quick to say, you know, for a lot of things, I'm like, I've never tried that, you know, so I'm not, I have nothing negative to say. All I know is what I'm doing. And so if, if yoga works for people, I'm happy about it. And actually, we find at Fitness Line Down, we have a lot of yogis that actually join our gym because they they enjoy the intention and the mindfulness of both practices. So they feel like one feeds off the other. And that's a really cool thing because it's just neat when you can align yourself that way and you get more of these. And it's, it's really neat when you get some of these more mindful, attentive people that it just helps to build the community even more. And people appreciate what you do. And it kind of helps to, to sell, I guess, what we're doing. Um, it is. And it's quite amazing. Like I was thinking about, as we're talking about this, an, indiv an individual client, not too long ago, young female who has a lot, you know, I mean, she is very stressed. She's got a lot of anxiety. She talks about this. Um, again, she's younger, but she has like a, a full-time job. She's a full-time student. She's about to be married. And, you know, some of the things that are going wrong in the wedding planning, you know, the photographer dumps out at the last minute kind of thing. Um, and so she was coming in and, you know, she also lives a little ways away. And she was just talking about the fact that and she kind of happens to be a little bit late to her sessions, which I don't judge. It's like you show up. It's great. We're going to train you no matter what time it is. Um, but she was just mentioning the fact that she knows that when she comes. Now, I know that this might sound too simplistic. But for this individual, I think for a lot of people, when it comes to the gym, if they know that they're going to feel better, and I'm not talking about the surviving a workout feeling better or that rush of endorphins, I'm talking about like your little achy back actually got helped out, your shoulder got helped out, that this is a place that listens to you and meets you where you're at, those moments that you don't want to go to the gym. So if you're going to go to some place, as we talked about before, and you know, you're going to get pounded, you're going to get destroyed. Well, that's going to be easy to like just knock off the list of things to do that day. But if you know that this place is going to be a place that's inviting, is going to be welcoming, is going to be like we talked about listening. And on the side note, you're going to feel better physically from it. You're going to have more of that as we talked about the human. Like I want to go to that place now because that's that's kind of my third place to some degree. That's where I want to go because I feel safe and I feel I feel listened to. 
but boy, my body actually does feel good. Those little kinks kind of work themselves out through the exercises. Yeah, and that's it's funny you say that because somewhat recently Jessica has a, a acquaintance and uh, you know, she's in, so let's put it lightly, a unhealthy marriage. And uh, so she started working out this gym because she wanted to have time for herself and feel better about herself. And within a few weeks, she's having back pain and she reached out to Jessica. She's like, I'm having back pain. You know, what should I be doing? Blah, blah, blah. And so Jessica actually was asking like what she was doing in her program. And, and she found the gym on, on Instagram and looked at their what they do in their training. And she's just like horrified. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she goes, well, yeah, you're going to, if you continue to go to this place, you can continue to have back problems. So it doesn't matter what I give you. And, but the woman's still going to go there because she's feeling like, well, she, to help her relationship with her husband, she's got to look better and she's got to get pounded to do that because to a lot of people, there's no other way to exercise, right? And so I think that's where, again, people get sort of caught where the negative perception of exercise comes from because it gets reinforced by our own industry. Like, yeah. oh, you're going to do this and you're going to get pounded, but that's that's what it takes and you got to work harder and you got to do better It's like versus just finding out, you know, like, like you said, subtle ways we can make exercise very accessible. And then if you feel better doing it, like who wants to do something routinely that hurts? Like, I don't, I know you nope. don't, <laughs> uh, you know, so it's just one of those things. Like if we took a step back and sometimes I think by not having a system, trainers feel like, well, I'm, I'm doing the right exercise because everyone's on Instagram that I follow does this exercise, but my clients, they have problems with it. So it must be my clients. It can't be, well, it can't be the idea that that's just the wrong exercise for them. You know, or that build up the foundations and and so forth. That's where I think I have a lot of empathy for young coaches because it probably doesn't make a lot of sense to them. Right. When you see all these people that you're friends with or that you respect doing this, you try to go do that, that exercise, and it doesn't work because your clients are having a miserable experience. But you're like, well, it's them, and then you don't take us, you don't take inventory of going. That's the problem of not having a system where I can easily adjust things to what my clients need and not being feeling beholden to any specific exercise, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a freedom when you have a system, you know, if you just, if all you have are exercises, you don't have a lot of freedom in your training session anymore. And that's, it's a hard thing, especially when we keep going back to the young profession, the young professional is that, you know, I, I just feel like looking back, probably the worst person to train people is a 20 year old male. <laughs> you know, like There's all a- I know is what I know. And that's what I like doing. And I want you to do it too, because I feel good doing it. But what I do at 20 years old does not work for a 40, 50 year old person. And that's not a bad thing because and I'm glad you brought the chronic pain thing because one of the biggest stressors there are, and I'm not just saying this because I, I experience it at times is, is chronic pain. Uh, and because again, it's one of those things where now you're, when you have chronic pain, think of change chronic pain for chronic stress. Oh yeah. That's a good look. Always in chronic stress. Mm-hmm. And, and you're always functioning from a position of fear of like, Oh, I'm afraid to do this. Cause if, like I said this, I think you heard me say this perform better. Like if I start to have my pain, if what I do in the gym creates pain, it's not, oh, I'm going to have a little, you know, a couple of bad hours that are a little bit gnarly. It could impact my quality of life for days, weeks, and even months. It could set me down a trajectory in a spiral, you know, because of the chronic pain where I get way worse and I dump exercise, but I now I get depressed and I have problems at work and you know, you know, you see where I'm going with it. So that's where I think, you know, having better tools and being able to step back and not feeling the pressure to give that killer workout all the time can really do so much benefit. And like you said, create that long-term client that you can see those benefits with. Right. And it kind of, I guess we're kind of tying this up that if I could talk to 21 year old Corey is being it for the long game. 
And I think being transparent with the client that way too, like I said, those new clients that come in, but even our clients now, sometimes it's hard because they, they want that session, but you just know that physically, mentally, they're not there. And if we try to push that session, we're just going to have, it's going to be negative. Like the outcome is going to be negative. So I always tell people, I'm not here for this week of training. I'm here for like this month of training, this year of training, years of training. And, you know, we have, I can boldly and proudly say that, I mean, we have our clients that have been here for, you know, eight, seven, five years. I mean, it's pretty amazing how many people stick with this program. So I can say with confidence that if you look at it with the end game and result, meaning, or the end result, that this is a long-term thing. This is not just a, let's get today's sweat sesh, come back so we can burn some more calories next time. This is a, we're always kind of going forward, but sometimes we have those setbacks and that's Okay. Because we have to admit that it's a setback. We have to acknowledge it. We have to own it. And then we have to just kind of work our way back through. And then when we get through, we look back and like, I'm just so glad that we're able to take our time, that we're able to be smart about our training, that I can be so much stronger now. And I didn't like, I didn't compound that injury. I didn't compound that issue at that time. So with the, with the long-term in, in mind for me, it's so much easier to address clients. Like if, and that's the, usually the clients are the ones, the ones that don't last very long are the ones that just want that quick fix. I can't give that to them. I don't want to give that to them. I want people to have that sustainable, accessible fitness that they can do this, that has that practicality. It has the applicability. I'm using a lot of big words today. Good word today. I, I know, right? I, <laughs> I don't know what happened. I, I slept at a holiday inn last night. That's all I could think. Um, but it, it just encompasses their whole lifestyle. You know, that the fitness kind of just is that pebble in the water, you know, and it has that ripple effect. So like we talked about, they start doing that fitness session, they can start making maybe some better decisions that day, better about themselves as they can be successful with something. You know, a lot of, a lot of individuals might not be successful with things. You know, they do fitness for six weeks, they get injured or they get burnt out or something that happens. They have to stop and go on a new program. But if they could find something that they could be successful with and sustainable, holy cow! I mean, what a great, what a great thing to give somebody. Well, very well said. And, you know, I'll, I'll wrap up with this part. Like, you know, imagine, you know, sleep's a big discussion now in our industry, and good, good thing. It's something that people need to get health and fitness. But telling people to sleep better is, is not even telling people to get off their devices. Fine, but imagine your your person. Just imagine this person who is trying to go to bed and they're thinking about. Oh, they, you know, they have to get up early to make sure Joey got his homework done and he's got to get to school a certain time. And by the way, they have a 10 o'clock meeting. And then, you know, uh, by the way, they're going to stop up and get groceries before they get home. And, oh, they got to get to the gym now. And, uh, oh, shit, or shoot, like, I got to get to the gym, you know, like, but what if the gym wasn't like that? What if the gym was the place they were looking forward to go? Yes, yes. And even at times, even if you miss that day of the gym, one of the things, again, research shows is, if we have that negative self-talk, if I miss a day at the gym, if I go with the, I'm lazy, I'm stupid, I'm never going to achieve my goals. I'm just increasing my stress and my anxiety. Mm -hmm. But if I go, Hey, today wasn't a good day for me to make it to the gym. I'm going to make it Thursday. That's going to be a better day for me to make it. You and I know as professionals, you're not going to get more or less fit, whether or not you hit that workout on Tuesday yeah. and then you, versus if you just got in on Thursday, right? As long because it's like you said, I love what you said. It's a long-term game. It's a cumulative effect, and I think a lot of times people feel like they miss that workout, they had that bad meal. That's what you and I were trying to say before in that corporate restriction uh, talk was like people go into panic and they get themselves more stressed. 
But imagine if you were just okay enough to go, yeah, today wasn't a good day. I'm going to make it the next day. That's going to be a better time. I'm going to be able to focus better. I'm going to be able to get better energy. And then maybe that person sleeps a little bit better at night because they're not stressing themselves out about how am I going to fit this into my day too? And, and so it's just one of those things. And, and if you do have clients that have those personalities, I'm sure you run into it where they just want to get out some frustrations that day. It's also being wise in what you give them, like you were talking about, like maybe don't give them a clean and press, maybe give them bow ropes or bike work or something that they can go to town on, but isn't highly technical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, like, yes. you know, like I think sometimes too, we pick the wrong things or understanding if someone's highly stressed, chances are their, their perception of pain is going to be higher too. So again, if you have that person that has that chronic back pain and they're super stressed, really be aware of what you're giving them that day and making those modifications because they could be more predisposed to having a bad pain day that turns into a bad pain week and, and snowballs. And now you don't have that client anymore. So I, I think all, everything you're saying is super important and just taking a step back. And if you don't have the answers, trying to go and find them and trying things that maybe like 15 years ago, I would have never done meditation. I'm just gonna put it out there because I had this preconception meditations like sit there, mm, you know, like <laughs> and then to learn that's not what it is really opens up another tool for me to help myself and other people. And it's just sometimes we close ourselves off to things because of our own biases and, per- and negative perceptions of things. Like you said, with yoga or something like that, maybe you have experience with an instructor, but maybe the whole training isn't a bad thing. It's just understanding like what you're saying, like going back and wrapping things up is like, you know, you asked me, is Tai Chi's not for calorie burning? No, it's not. But that doesn't mean it doesn't help my fitness. Right. And that's why I think people need it. Just because it's not calorie burning that moment doesn't mean it's not drastically improving your health and fitness. Yeah, well said, well said. Um, that was a fun conversation. <laughs> I, uh, I really enjoyed the direction and I'm excited to let people listen to this because I think a lot of the things, that, a lot of the mistakes we've made in the past, you know, we're able to learn from those. So they're not mistakes, they're just teachable moments. That's how I like to look at it. So Josh, what's it? You're not making mistakes, you're not growing. Isn't that the truth? Um, So I I do again, I'm so grateful and I'm appreciative that you're able to join us on the Fitness Line Down podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, My pleasure, especially having a platform to talk about these things that a lot of people don't want to talk about. I appreciate you. Well, thank you very much. And for all of our listeners out there, hopefully you're less stressed after listening to this uh, podcast episode. But until the next time that we talk, you friends out there, Godspeed.